For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission, and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating. It is the competitive edge. The number one source of friction in your engine is not what you think. Piston rings rubbing against the cylinder walls generate more friction than any other part of the engine. More friction and temperature means more wear and less horsepower. Fortunately, the team at Total Seal knows how to reduce friction and wear through innovative piston ring design. If it takes a piston, Total Seal can build a better ring. This is WFO Radio. Hey, everybody. We are back. We are now back. WFO Radio on the air. And we've got a great show for you today. Once again, the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, will be joining us. And we're going to kick it today. There's a lot of great stories up on NHRA.com. Of course, the, the rookie of the year battle is going to be amazing. We're getting closer and closer to the start of the season. Some NHRA test rates. Of course, the big skag race in Bradenton. Pro guys getting over there. I'm sure everybody is trying to figure out how to win the big money. Uh, it's going to be very cool. We still have some winter break time, though, to knock out some stories and have some conversations as we get ready for the start of the 2024 Mission Foods Drag Racing Series season. I'm going to be reaching out to some champs and catch up with people as we, uh, you know, we kind of awaken from the slumber, if it was. Uh, hibernation, if you will. I don't know. Uh, this past week, I was in Kansas. I was out there at the West Central Division Awards Ceremony. Had a great time with people from D5, Nick Duty, Rob Park, and just uh, the whole family out there. It was super cool. Inducted a couple into the high and mighty Hall of Fame, Alan Patterson, Frank Parks. Super cool seeing those guys inducted into the Hall of Fame and everybody, including world champions, Trevor Larson, Wyatt Wagner, guys who went on to win the world and also won the division. And just cool, heartfelt moments like Donnie Durenberger jumping up there and wanting to make sure everybody knew that Trevor was uh, not only a champion, but the type of person that's helping racers behind the scenes, uh, giving insight, giving tips, trying to make people around him a better racer. Really amazing. And then we hung out in the bar. Jeremy Lerke winning the Joe Meyer Helping Hand Award. Just great stuff. And um, really, really getting to know the folks in D5 a little bit better. And there is no better place than, uh, you know, away from the track at a function like that to have a little time, hang out. Bob McCosh was super awesome. He's asking me, he's like, yeah, but enough about this funny car. What about Project Pontiac? What's the deal with Project Pontiac? And, and it's just, you know, I don't want to say it's hysterical. It's awesome. How many people have taken an interest in my uh, personal Pontiac and I'm going to try to go super street racing. And it's been amazing to see how that all goes. So we're going to get into it. The voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt going to join us seconds from now. I want to tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO. We do this show a couple of times a week, every single week. It's because of these sponsors and I'm, I'm thrilled that they are on board. Honestly, I'm absolutely thrilled. Like CWT industries, engine balancing, if it rotates, you can balance it. So if you work with turbochargers or superchargers, if it rotates, you can balance it. And CWT makes one of the best machines in the business. Uh, fully digital, easy to operate, saves a lot of time, 
and I've watched it work. We're going to play some videos coming soon uh, showing a demonstration of the machine and how simple it is. And of course, time is money in the machine shop. And so if you've got an old and I'll say it antiquated machine, you want to reach out to Randy Neal and the folks at CWT Industries uh, and upgrade your balancer. We'll be learning about CWT a lot more here in 2024. The folks at FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converters, you already heard a little bit about them. These guys, I saw the shop up in land dropping off some transmissions. And as much as the technology is amazing, um, it's not the shop and it's not the technology. It's the people who run it. And they are, you know, gung ho to use a term my dad taught me, uh, working together, focused on the goal and getting the job done. FTIperformance.com. And of course, they've got FTIparts.com. Maybe you build your own transmissions as so many people do, but you want the same great FTI parts. Well, they can get them to you today, which is really awesome. Total Seal Piston Rings. Look at that double logo. I'm wearing the shirt today. And TotalSeal.com, where you want to go. They've got the full parts catalog up there. And they always say it. Make them your first call, not your last call. So many times everybody buys everything and then they, you know, the rings are an afterthought. When that's what's sealing your engines. You can force as much air into that cylinder as you want. But if you can't keep it sealed up, you're not going to make the power that you could. The rings are so important, and that's what the Hidden Horsepower podcast is all about. That's what the Engine Performance Expo is all about, teaching people that the way you always did it is no longer necessarily sufficient. If you want to maximize your dollar for the parts that you're buying, you need to make sure you get good ring seal. And that comes from cylinder surface. It comes from roundness, and it comes from seal. And, of course, these new modern uh, rings – with the thickness or lack of thickness, they're very thin. The coatings that they use, you got to make them your first call, not your last call. Total Seal, call Keith Jones, uh, Lake Speed, Kevin Studaker, the guys over there, they get the job done. The folks at Phillips Connect, smart trailer technology over the road, keeping these rides safe and on time and allowing you in the transportation industry to monitor what you got going on out there. You can email me, Joe at WFORadio.com, and I'll put you together with the folks at Phillips Connect. And it's been a nice little program. Just shoot me an email, put Phillips in the subject section, and I will uh, get to it ASAP. And then there's the folks at Foggit. Gary Stinnett, where's my can of Foggit? What I've been doing lately is like checking out shops. And when I see a can of Foggit lying around, I always like snap a photo, which is super cool. It's uh, I would call it this past year's best new product. The folks at Foggit, as in, uh, look, here's one. Just walking through a shop. There it is. Can of Foggit sitting around. Because it's designed to protect all that stuff I just told you about when I was telling you about Total Seal. Like, it goes hand in hand. You're going to spend all this money and time and resources getting, like, Hall of Fame machinists in there to create your cylinder finish. And then you're not going to protect it? What kind of craziness is that? And that's why you need Foggit. Here's the story with Foggit. Now available in Summit. That's right. Foggit available at Summit. So if you want to be helpful to WFO Radio, you want to be helpful to Foggit, let's uh, get on to Summit. And as soon as you can order it, and I think that's now or soon, uh, get yourself a can of Foggit through Summit so the folks at Summit know that this is a great new product. Later on in the show, we'll tell you about Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. We'll tell you about Marvin Rodak and Rodak's Coffee and Grills.com. And of course, we'll tell you about Samtech.edu. But right now, and I appreciate you letting me tell you about the people who make it possible. Thank you for doing that. Let's bring out someone who also makes it possible to talk to him because he's available. 
Alan Reinhardt. What's up, A-R? A to the R, how are you? I'm good. Come on, I spent all this time like... Oh, look at this. I couldn't see it. You were blocking it. You're blocking. Okay. Well, now... You know, it. Out, run run it Let's see it. Shift to the right. I started it on Saturday, so... I heard. I saw yeah, the tweet. That is beautiful. Look at that. All right. Before all the show now, is over. Uh, I'm actually getting the blower... Getting the blower this afternoon, and uh, then we'll finish getting all that stuff put together, and it'll be uh, ready to go into the car as soon as the car's ready for it. I have to build a set of headers for it, and then uh, pour in some nitro. And at that point, it should make—I'm guessing—three, four hundred horsepower less than your Pontiac. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, so everybody knows this is not the <laughs> CUDA. This is not the CUDA engine, right? Like this is not going in the CUDA. Nah, this is I a wish. separate project. I wish. Yeah. Well, you never know, but. Yeah, no, a uh, a local businessman here in Tucson was able to locate and procure the 1970 Barracuda that Candies and Hughes won Gainesville with in Funny Car uh, 54 years ago and was able to find the car. He's doing a restoration project on the thing. It's going to be a cackle car. Obviously, you're not going to take a chassis that old and go race it again, but uh, I did the engine for it. And so after I got the thing all together, I wanted to just fired up, make sure nothing leaked, you know, it had good oil pressure, all that kind of stuff. So I put a uh, regular manifold on it, four-barrel carburetor on it, spun it up. But uh, if you go to my Twitter feed and just scroll back a little bit, it was uh, it was on there where we fired it up. So like I said, I'm getting the blower today. Um, I've got to get you know the pulley alignment and all that kind of stuff taken care of. And then as soon as the chassis is ready, uh, we'll put the whole car together. Awesome. Derek wants to know 100% nitro, Alan, is that going to be a, you know, like, I don't know what those tackles <laughs> guys run. Like, I have no idea. It seems like a, you know, maybe a 90% thing. You know, to be honest with you, I don't know either. Um, I've talked to a couple of guys, like when I was ordering pistons for it and uh, a couple other things, uh, degree in the cam. And I talked to a couple of guys that do the cackle things and say, Hey, look, point me in the right direction here. Um, I know they run a pretty high percentage. They're certainly not going out there cackling them on 50 because, you know, part of the appeal is to have the flames coming out of the pipes when they're sitting there idling. So uh, we'll see when I get that, when I get that close, I will ask. But one of the other things that I'm picking up today, as long as I'm picking up the blower, I'm also getting the fuel pump and the barrel valve. So it's going to go uh, get flowed to be ready to go. So hopefully the first time we uh, hit the switch, it'll fire up. Excellent. No, that's exciting. It's exciting. It's good to be watching your program uh, come together. And what did you end up deciding? I think you told us last week, but refresh my memory about that whole oil galley deal. You called everybody. You ended up, uh, you know, Barton gave you the, the lowdown. We used to do that. But what did you end up doing? Uh, I drilled it out and took the plug out. I just I couldn't bring myself to run the thing. You know, it's obviously not going to be a very high RPM motor. And yes, I get it. There's a lot of oil flying around down there in the lifter galley, but I just would feel better. Um, you know, again, since it's not going to be a real high RPM motor, it's not going to be a full load motor. I'm not overly concerned with we need to shove more oil down to the mains, which is what they were concerned with back in the days when they blocked those galleys off. Uh, so I uh, opened it up. And if you ever need a 3 8 drill bit, 18 inches long, uh, I have one uh, that I used one time that I will probably never use again. But if you ever need one, let me know I have one. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's get, let's get into it. Like I was out there at D five, the award ceremony, we knocked it out in about two and a half hours. I'm very proud of that, but a couple of world champs, Trevor Larson, Wyatt Wagner, went to Wyatt's shop and I know you have been there as well. Um, really cool, uh, spot. And, you know, that's where the fog it can, uh, was, but you know, the world champion, 
and had so many cool things going on in their uh, car dealership. I thought I had uh, uploaded a couple of more photographs. Uh, here we go. Right. The outside of the shop, inside of the shop. There's a beautiful sign since 1968. But they had most of their cars uh, sent to Barrett Jackson and why it was actually headed to Barrett Jackson the day after the awards banquet. Uh, Willie. Scott's dad, Wyatt's grandfather. This was his like original car club jacket from when he was 15 years old. Um, typical drag racers, right? Like keeping everything and honoring the previous generation uh, as as a way of you know thanking them for getting involved in this crazy, crazy hobby of ours. I like it. I like it. you know it's interesting. I don't know how many people understand just how important the state of Kansas is to NHRA. I mean, you know, obviously Wagner's being there and they're relative newcomers in the stock and super stock wars. But, you know, Gary Stennett is there. Patterson Elite is there. Matt Driscoll's shop is there. Um, you know, I'm still not uh, I haven't given up completely on Hartland Park yet. I, I'm still hoping that that's going to come back. But there is a lot of horsepower, so to speak, that comes out of Kansas and has for a lot of years. Kansas always played a pretty big role in the NHRA going all the way back to when they decided that was close enough to the geographic center of the country that that's where the first nationals would be. So. Uh, it's a great place to visit, and if you're again, if you're in the horsepower game, there's a there's a lot of it that comes out of that part. But uh, the Division Seven banquet also took place uh, this past weekend. It was up in Las Vegas. I understand it went very well. I wasn't invited, so you were working. You had something that you knocked out a project at home, man. You should be happy you didn't have to go. I mean, you didn't get invited. <laughs> no, actually, they did. Well, yeah, I love no. the way they do it up there. They do it at Sam's Club. Um, uh, at the casino. So you've got, you know, obviously plenty of entertainment. There's a big bowling alley there. And and the way division seven has always done it is we will do the juniors first and then have dinner. And then the juniors uh, all go on a little bowling excursion right there in the casino. And then we have the adult portion of the program because, uh, you know, that when somebody wants to get a little uh, colorful, let's just say on the speech, you don't have to worry about, uh, <laughs> you don't have to worry about uh, offending the youngsters that are in the room. So, Right. Uh, I understand it went great, but uh, yeah, it is definitely uh, it's definitely that season, right? Tis, tis the season. And and Jason Galvin was at uh, in Indianapolis for Division Three, and it was just like, yeah, it is. It's a award season. Division Two had theirs last week. I was at that Engine Performance Expo, so I couldn't uh, make it from Johnson City to Daytona, unfortunately. But I heard theirs went well uh, as well. And you know, I want to just keep on the Kansas thing, like in our profession you meet a lot of people and more so than the average person that stays wherever they were happen to work and, and work at home right like we're constantly moving around so we're learning about a lot of different people and the different regions of the country at least this is the way i look at it and every region is a little different but there are common threads something i'm getting from the kansas type is like they like willie wagner he moved from arkansas to kansas when he was 14 years old by himself Right. What? And he just went to work. Rob Park working at a drag strip said he was like nine years old. He was working at nine. I, you know, now we can say that stuff. But everybody getting started like real early in their profession, like going to work early and doing it. Why? Because they want to. They want to get out there. They want to work. They want to be a part of the economy. They want to do what they want. And uh, I heard that story like 10 times in Kansas about someone who is now very successful who started super early that had an idea and they went after it and they got it. Alan Patterson, perfect example. And they went after it and they got it and they just wouldn't fail and they didn't. And now they're, 
doing great and people are honoring them. And it just, I don't know, man, it felt like a, a very interesting Kansas uh, corn fed, uh, big juicy ribeye steak kind of story. Well, and I think you hit the nail right there, right there at the end. Uh, it's farm country when you get out in that part of the world. And, you know, farming is not a nine to five job. If you're in farm country, and especially if you grow up on a farm or if you're in a farming family, then as soon as you're old enough to go to work, you go to work. Um, if it's, you know, six years old or eight years old, as soon as you're able to, you know, sit up on a tractor and hold the steering wheel, you're going to be out there getting something done. And the ethic just starts that soon. So if you know that, you know what, everybody's going to work when they're very young, that's just the culture you grew up in, right? You watched your cousins or your brothers or whoever go through that. And then if you decide, well, look, my passion maybe isn't plowing the fields. My passion is going to the drag strip. Then you figure out a way, right? You get on your bike or you do whatever you do. You go to the drag strip, but you go to work at a young age and you learn your craft. I'm, you know, I, The most successful people I know started fairly early. You know, there are certainly always those stories of people that started a little bit later in life. But if you decide when you're 20 or 21 or 22 that this is my career path, then you're going to be 20 years ahead of the guy that decides at 40, this is what I want to start doing. So if you make that decision when you're, you know, 14 or 15 or 16, then again, you're just years ahead. Um, and, you know, I say it all the time, you know, for the literally thousands of students that I talk to every year with the NHRA Youth and Education Program, the one thing that I try to drive home, find something you love and figure out how to get paid for it. <laughs> and if you can figure out a way to make that work, um, and, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I, and I, again, you know, there are so many things out there. Um, a guy that I worked for, I spent a lot of time working. I worked at Sun Plumbing and Mechanical and Sun Mechanical Contracting, which was the largest subcontractor in Southern Arizona. I ran their fleet shop for a number of years. Loved it. I loved working with my hands. Loved, that's why I have a shop, right? Because I still like working on stuff. But the guy who was our vice president of field operations worked part-time as a plumber while he was going through school. Went to medical school, got a degree as a nurse, went to work in a hospital. After six months, he hated it, hated it. Didn't like being inside all the time, didn't like being out, liked being out, liked building things, liked looking at a plan and putting the thing together, liked looking at a blueprint, looking at something that looked impossible and then figuring out a way to make it work and gave up all of that education and whatever he spent, you know, for his education to go back doing something he loved. And he was a classic guy that, you know, when I, if I had to go in on Sunday to fix, finish up a tractor because it had to be on the job site on Monday, he would be there and he'd be looking over plans and looking over blueprints and looking over stuff. Just absolutely loved it. So, you know, what you love doesn't have to be singing. It doesn't have to be artistic. It doesn't have to be raised. It just has to be something you love to do. If it's something you love to do, dive on it. You know, I guarantee you, Gary Stennett doesn't wake up kicking rocks in the morning because he's got to go to work building engines working on horsepower, doing that kind of stuff. He absolutely loves it. That's why he does it. Yeah. And, and uh, he did speaking of energizer bunny, uh, my goodness, tons of energy. And he was uh dyno testing one of Tim Wilkerson's six thirty twos over there uh, while I was there. And I, you know, I got to be in the room a couple of times, uh, you know, 1200 plus horsepower. And Gary was able to find some horsepower before they sent it back out. But man, you're, you're, you're able to make about that maybe a hundred less because you don't have the cubic inches. Right. Or the second four barrel carburetor or uh, et cetera. And that so second on. four barrel carburetor is not worth a hundred horsepower. No, I don't know. But man, it felt like the building was going to come down around me. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, had a great time. Talk a little bit about that later on in the show. Uh, some folks out there checking in. Lonnie, brand new Patreon. 
got on board uh, on the Ignition Show last night. Super cool. Sammy Eubanks wondering about Rob Wendland. Isn't he from Kansas? I think he is from Kansas. Not he is. Absolutely. Right. There you go. You know, hard. Got started, if I'm not mistaken, he got started working on the Jayhawker alcohol car. That's uh, that was, and again, very young, uh, going on the road. You know, like you know, wiping tires and cleaning the body and doing that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Nicole wanted to know if I got some Kansas City barbecue while I was in the Kansas City area. Did I stop by Flying H? No, I did not. And I got in like late Thursday night. Friday was spent at the Wagners and I went over to uh, Stinnett Automotive to, uh, you know, talk to Gary and kind of hang out there and learn as much as I could. Then drove back and did the banquet on Saturday. So I kind of used every minute wisely. I tripled my driving in snow and, and ice experience. <laughs> and uh, like Don't it was that Miami, do you? It was a harrowing deal, man. I felt like I was in Hoth from Empire Strikes Back, like whoo, crazy cold. It was one degree, two degrees, pretty crazy. So, no, I'll save the barbecue for when we head back the next time that we head back. And I plan on being there uh, a lot. But um, just great experience. Very cool. And and I had a, a lot of fun. Uh, mm. Like uh, Speaking of Nicole says, uh, watching my dad supervise the CNC shop, run a race team and start a gasket business at the same time taught me work ethic. Work ethic is a big thing. It's a big thing. You gotta, it's yeah. not working hard is not a bad thing. Working hard and being treated terribly and disrespected as a human being and not compensated and you got to do it because you're desperate. Otherwise you're going to starve to death. Yeah, that's probably pretty bad. But if you can do what Alan just said and find something where you want to be there and you love it and you're driven nothing wrong with working hard. And that's another thing that, you know, we talk about it's using education and really part of Bob Tasca's uh, presentation as he talks about all the time. He says, you know, you, there's no substitute for it. Show up early, you know, work hard, ask questions, you know, go a little tired. That's what you're there for. Um, and people, you know, successful people don't get there accidentally, right? The, there are so many people uh, that, you know, I've been in this industry for, you know, 25 years and I'm, you know, mid-level and, you know, this kid just came in and, you know, all of a sudden he's a manager. Why? Well, what time does he get here? You know, how much effort does he put in? You know, how yeah. much time does he spend learning the new technology, getting on top of stuff, staying? All of that stuff takes effort. You know, I, I love one of the things I learned really early on uh, when I worked in an auto shop and it was a commission shop and the way that the shop was set up was we made 50% uh, of whatever the labor rate was for any job that we were doing. And if a job came back, we were doing it for free. And it didn't matter if it was, you know, if it was a part failure, we had to do the job for free. If it was, you know, a, a labor failure, we had to do the job for free. And so the faster you work, the more money you're going to make. That's a good thing to know. But you better get it right. Because if you do a two-hour job and you go, oh, hey, look, I can blow this thing out and get it done in 90 minutes. Look at me. I just got paid two hours for doing 90 minutes work. If it comes back three days later and you got to do it again, that's two hours that you're working for free. So you learn to be efficient, but you also learn to be good. And the other thing that I learned very early on, and it's something that I tried today even, if there's somebody that's new, if there's somebody that's coming along, if there's somebody that like looking for advice or looking for guidance or looking for a little help, help them. You know, there's, there's plenty of people that helped me along the way and saved me from some of those, you know, comeback jobs, some of those free hours that you had to put in. And now if I can do that for somebody else, or if you need an extra set of hands, it's nice to have somebody that owes you a favor if you're in a position like that. But, you know, there, there will never, ever be 
a substitute for work ethic. And there will always be people. And, and again, it's, it's one of the stories I tell over and over and over again, my youth and education deal. I worked at a car wash. I'm like 16 years old. I'm at high school. I'm working part-time at a car wash. And, you know, okay, I'm making a couple of bucks. I can, you know, put gas in my car and pay for my hot rod magazines. And, you know, every once in a while I can save up and buy something for my car. But I'm working at a car wash. I like cars. The neighborhood mechanic in our neighborhood, I could hang out with him when I had a chance and, you know, get him wrenches and, and try to watch and try to learn. And I could do basic stuff. Well, there was a job that came up at a front-end alignment shop here in town. It was called Apache Tire and Auto Center way back in the day. And they needed a part-time guy to work in the front-end alignment frame shop, doing brakes, you know, doing tie rods, doing just really basic front-end kind of stuff, stuff that I could do. So I went down and I handed an application to the guy. He looked at my application and he said, oh, yeah, high school kid works at a car wash. Yeah, great. I thought, I'll call you if I need you. And I figured out it was the end of the day. But he called me and he hired me and he told me later why. And that's a lesson I've never forgotten. And I tell this story literally. This is my opening story when I talk to the, to the young people in youth and education. The guy at the, at the front end shop said, you know, I figured the least I could do was check you out. You went to the time and trouble to come down here and fill out an application. So he called my boss at the car wash. And he said, you got a kid, Alan, that works for you, wants to work for me. What can you tell me about? Him? I said, I'll tell you three things about Alan. He shows up on time. He works hard. And I'm going to hate to lose him. And the guy at the front end shop said, as soon as he said, I'm going to hate to lose him, I knew I was going to hire you because I need a guy who shows up on time and works hard. And that's the kind of guy that I want. And believe me, there were plenty of people at the car wash that would go curl up and hide back behind the, you know, the big washers and dryers where we did the towels in the laundry room and try to catch a couple hours nap every day. There were plenty of guys that put in the absolute minimum effort. And I've never forgotten that because if this guy had called the car wash and my boss had said, you can have him. How about he starts tomorrow? Get him the hell out of here. He's not doing anything here anyway. Then I never would have gotten an opportunity, but I've never forgotten that. And that's why every opportunity I've had, every job that I've had, I want to go in, you know, and people ask me all the time, right? What are you doing nine o'clock on Saturday morning when there's six people in the grandstands and you're out there like expending all this energy and rocking it? That's what I get paid to do. And that's what the nine people that are there, the six people that are there, they deserve the best job I can give them. And the amount of times that I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, I'd like you to do something for me because your energy, your enthusiasm, your prayer. And so um, I, I think that to this day pays off. You know, Absolutely. nobody nobody calls the guy who sits up in the tower and we all know the guy. Right. Look at his computer screen. Uh, left lane, Joe Costello in the 77 Firebird with a 535 that makes 2000 horsepower. 78. And Joe That's goes. 1090 at 178 <laughs> miles an hour while the right lane is jason galvin and nobody calls that guy and says hey i want you to come to my track i want you to come do my stuff nobody calls that guy right they call the people that are enthusiastic that are energetic that and i, I built my career on that yeah well let's stop telling everybody the secret sauce which is not that secret right it's just not and for the next generation of kids coming up and we all we all want these professions, whether it be the machine shop profession, those guys are all giving away their knowledge to the right person. And what do you have to do? You got to show up on time. You got to show that you've got a work ethic. You got to show that you appreciate that you're being given something that earned, that took a lifetime to, to compile. And so very just, one, just one more quick thing, go. How many stories do you hear about the guy that used to show up after school at the race shop and sweep the floors uh, or get in a solvent tank or do this stuff? 
I told the guy, I said, you know what? Let me give you something a little more responsible to do. Let me give, I mean, and, you know, there's so many people now that, you know, they want to start in the middle at least, you know, or at the top if possible. And that's just not, that's just not how it works. But again, it's, it's, you know, it's not like it's that hard, right? To show up on time, to do what you say you're going to do, to not go take a nap in the back. Uh, my dad always taught me, like, if you have to, if you're going to leave to go to work, you should go to work. Otherwise, stay home. And uh, great stuff. Great stuff. All right. So let's uh, let's move on. I want to tell everybody about tomorrow, though. Tomorrow, we've got the Proc family going to be on the show. We're going to have Austin. We're going to have Jimmy. We're going to have Thomas. They're all going to be on the show at the same time. That's going to be interesting. As they get to run this funny car while Robert Hyatt is sidelined for that medical procedure, they get to run together as a family. And so that is going to be very exciting. Thomas coming over last year, genuine emotion. We're always asking for genuine emotion out there on the starting line. He gets it like the randomness of life that he gets to race with his dad and now his brother. And they're all racing together. Like now, like, Oh my gosh, he was, uh, uh, he got emotional a few times last year. What's going to happen this year. Gosh, you know, if, if Austin, if they win a race together, watch out. Like that's if? well, did you really just say if, it depends on how many races they run, right? Like if they only run three races, I I'm under expecting Robert to be back. I don't know that number. Do you know that number? I do not. But yeah. if well, right, they could yeah. win the first race. They, they could, they could. It's yeah. very possible they could win the fir first race. All right. So before we get into the conversation, I wanted to have everyone is asking this over and over again uh, if we are going to be at the Skag Pro Superstar Shootout in Bradenton. Are you guys going to be there? Are you guys going to be there? I am not. It's a lot easier for you to not be there because you're from Arizona. You'd have to get on a plane, et cetera, and so on. Plus, you'll be announcing the baby Gators, and you'll be coming to spend a lot of time in Florida uh, not long after that. I am still up in the air on it. I'm up in the air on it because I'm going to be going to Orlando uh, Speed World or Speed World Dragway in Orlando for the first NHRA Division II division race um, the following week. And it's looking like I may enter something. And so I will be in thrash mode, getting ready to maybe race myself. And uh, so if that is the case, I will not be going to Bradenton. But if that does not work out, then maybe I will. Uh, we will see. But I do not have any official capacity with that event. And so I will be enjoying it just like everybody else. And frankly, I'm kind of in intrigued to see the uh, broadcast. And so we'll see. But obviously, to all of our friends that are in, in going to be in competition to get that money, going to get that money, good luck and be safe. And I hope it works out very, very well for everybody. But um, and then we start Gator Nationals right on the heels, and it's going to be pretty amazing. All right, here's what I wanted to talk about. I'm going to just steal, I mean borrow the NHRA.com headline story right now. Bumper crop 2024 NHRA rookie crop might be the best ever. And it goes into a, a detailed story. K Mac, Kevin McKenna, that guy K Mac on Twitter has put together like a list and a bio of everybody. But here's the deal: you know, Tony Stewart. Richard Gadsden, Daniel Wilkerson, right there, those three full-time racers, um, all going to be going for it, and I expect them all to win a race. Jacob McNeil, top fuel, also involved. Jasmine Salinas, top fuel. Travis Shoemake, top fuel. Uh, Ida Zetterstrom, top fuel. Sienna Wildgust, uh, pro stock. Um, Sienna, from what I understand, is going to run a full season. The others, as in Jasmine and Travis and Ida, 
I think their schedules are yet to be determined how many races they're going to run. So not to be a, you know, a big jerk about it, but in my opinion, the people who are running full seasons in championship caliber cars are more likely to win the rookie of the year, which would be Tony, which would be Daniel, which would be Richard and even Sienna, because I'm hearing some great things about that young lady racer. And she is uh, absorbing the information like a sponge in KB Titan car. She's going to be fast. Um, Ida, she's champion already. It's just about running. How many races will they run? And maybe they will find the money to run them all. Like we don't know at this point, but let's talk about the rookie uh, situation for 2024, Alan. And what is your hot take when you hear that list of names? Well, starters, uh, as far as Ida goes, and I could certainly be wrong, but I don't think it's possible for her to run them all uh, simply because they're going to be wrapping up the European schedule. Uh, I don't believe the European schedule ends before we start. So I think she's going to have to stay and finish that. I do agree with what you said uh, about those who run the full tour. And I don't, I certainly am not, that it's not possible for a part-timer to win it. But I think that, you know, there there are certain things that you weigh, right? And attendance being one of them. I think if you if you attend more races, then you have a better chance. Um, I think I would have told you two weeks ago, I would have bet if we, if we were just like, you know, a little side pot that I thought Tony Stewart had the best chance at it. Uh, I think you look at what he did in the alcohol car. And, you know, he's made a couple of runs in the fuel car throughout the course of the last couple of years. So I think his transition is going to be small. I think he's going to hit the ground to be ready to go. And he's getting in a car that was one round away from winning the championship. So I think that he is going to have the, maybe the easiest transition and be getting into the best car. So I would have, I, that's where I would have wagered. When they announced Richard Gadsden, all of a sudden I went, you know, I might back on that a little bit or certainly pull a couple of bucks off because if you look at what Gage Herrera did, on a Vance and Hines bike last year. And everybody that knows anything about motorcycle racing will tell you that Rich Gadsden is Gage Herrera's equal at least as far as talent, as far as ability, as far as what he's done in other motorcycles. So the question will be, does he adapt as quickly to the pro stock motorcycle as Gage did? And no matter what, the biggest thorn he's going to have in his side is Gage. Because yes. if you look what Gage Herrera did all last year, I don't expect Gage to come in and only win once this year. So, uh, you know, I still think at that point I'm leaning a little bit towards maybe Tony having the advantage. Uh, Daniel Wilkerson's going to have zero learning curve jumping into that car and being ready to go. I, that's not a question mark at all. And I did win a couple of races last year, and it was solid last year. But it wasn't on par with the cars that Tony's getting in. Um, so I still would lean a little bit towards Tony. Um, and I'm still, um, I would love to see Jasmine Salinas full tour. I know it's been talked about, but if it's been announced, I missed it. And if that's the case, I apologize. If she gets in there and runs a full tour, then she's going to be another one uh, that I think would go to the top of the list. Now, having said that, the part-timers that come out, if you come out and you run, say, six races or races, and you make it to four final rounds, and another big part of the equation is what you're doing on social media and how much press are you generating and what are you, you know, what are you doing basically to promote the sport of NHRA, not necessarily just yourself. And rookies 
always garner extra attention. You know, when Gary Selzy came out and won his first race, the entire country wanted to know who is this guy, right? Instantly, he elevated the entire sport. Daryl Russell, exactly the same thing. Who is this guy? He's been around the sport for a while. He's been doing stuff, but the first time as a professional. So if Ida comes over and goes to a final round her first race, which is certainly not unprecedented, or wins one or two of those things, all of a sudden there's going to be worldwide attention, and that certainly is going to weigh in her favor, and I think that that will sway some of the voters. So you know, it, it always comes down to what have you done as a full body of work? And running the full schedule gives you a bit of an advantage over somebody that doesn't run the full schedule, but it certainly doesn't lock out those that don't run the full schedule. It's your entire body of work. And so, uh, you know, we'll see, but it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty good crop. Yes, definitely. And I, and I don't necessarily think that one like nitro beats pro stock, depending on, you know, if all things being equal, there, there are X factors like you just described, uh, which is going to make it a great battle, right? Uh, Sienna, uh, Daniel, Tony, uh, Richard. But if if Jacob McNeil in his very limited schedule can rip off a win, like that's that's something that we'll just have to wait and see. But what do you think about you know why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why are we experiencing like we know why it's happening with Tony Stewart, but an influx, a wave. Um, you know, characterize it how you will. But to me, I don't, I don't want to say it's unprecedented because there've been waves in the past, but we're having a wave of participation of NHRA mission foods, drag racing. The sport has got momentum here. I could use the word unprecedented. If I wanted to like be hyperbolic, I won't do that, but we have momentum. People are choosing to spend their money to get involved, to get into the sport. Uh, I think because they see a lot of viability there. They see what's happening with the, you know, Justin Ashley's of the world and the Josh Hart's of the world, and they want to get in and be a part of it. But I want to hear your, uh, your, your version of what you're seeing out there. Well, I think what you said is, is spot on. I think that the sport has a lot of momentum right now. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening in and around the National Hot Rod Association. That generates more interest. And that, I think, makes it easier to go out and find backing or find funding uh, if you're going to need some financial help. You know, it's certainly not like, you know, so while sponsors are lined up 10 deep and all you got to do is go, uh, okay, next. Okay, you're going to go with Joe. Uh, next. Okay, you're going to go with Galvin. Uh, next. You're going to, but when you go to WFO and you say, hey, I would like you to take a look at this. This is what I have to offer. This is what I'm going to be, where I'm going to be racing. This is the television package that we have right now. This is the is the attendance figures that we have right now. These are the numbers of sellout crowds that we've had. And this is what you can do at NHRA that you can't do anyplace else. There is no place else where you can get the activation you can get like you do with NHRA. And so this, I think, is a good time to go out and sell somebody on at least giving us a look and coming out here. And I think that's a big part of it as well. Yeah, it's... Um... It's interesting, and and the the television package and everything that's working together. We're uh, 
you know, I it's a little sports business journal ish, but as we get to the point where they start renegotiating the Fox deal in the future, whenever that does happen, um, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes because the sport of Mission Foods Drag Racing with their new title sponsor and all these different things, having those call out races all sponsored, uh, people diving in. And uh, let's dwell on the Tony Stewart factor a little bit. I know when the announcement happened, uh, there was just, I think, uh, a reflexive negative reaction by some people inside the bubble. But the majority of the people that I've spoken with that are just casual racing fans, many of them NASCAR fans are excited for this. They're excited. Like Tony Stewart was there. Dennis Taylor is uh, tweeting out photos of him getting a seat poured. And it's like, this is real, man. Tony Stewart, this racing icon is gonna go top fuel racing and stage up against Brittany force and steve torrance and doug coletta like what that's gonna be amazing as we we spoke it into existence and you know like what's what is more exciting than that if you are following the ins and outs of a points battle in every race in the nhra.tv i think that you know, and you inside the bubble, right? When it was announced, Tony Stewart is buying two Nitro teams, that he is going to be a team owner in NHRA, and he is going to race in the Lucas Series. He's going to run an A-Fuel car. I think almost everybody inside the bubble went, that's great. Tony Stewart's putting, you know, focus on drag racing. He, Tony Stewart's going to get people to watch drag. Tony Stewart's going to bring people over. Tony, I think it's great that Tony's got an interest in NHRA. Well, now he's been here for a little while. So all of us inside the bubble are like, okay, well, Tony Stewart, yeah, you know, he won another race. Okay, his team won another race. Okay, Tony Stewart coming to NHRA is no longer news to those of us in NHRA because he's been here. But Tony Stewart now making a move to race in the top-level professional category, right, the kings of the sport, that, again, is news to everybody outside of NHRA. Because now, not only is Tony a team owner that, yeah, he's racing in a sportsman class and he's doing some stuff, but the other people that follow motorsports, and I love the Lucas series and I love everything about it, but the casual fan follows Top Fuel, Funny Car, Pro Stock, Pro Stock, Motorcycle. That's the big four. Fact. Okay. And now the casual fan says, wait a minute, I'm going to get to see Tony Stewart racing every Sunday night in HRA on Fox? Yes. I'm going to get to see Tony Stewart racing in the professional categories when I go to the racetrack, no matter what race track I go to. Yes, because remember, there are races on the Mission Series that don't run the alcohol cars. So there were fans that came to the racetrack that didn't get to see Tony race. Well, the fans in Seattle this year are going to get to see Tony race. The fans in San Francisco this year are going to get to see Tony race. And so that is a big deal to those who are outside of the bubble. That's why it's news and that's why it's such big news. And he's going to have success. I don't think there's any question about it. I'm certainly not ready to put his name on the championship trophy. Rookie of the year is a different thing, but he's gonna have success and that is gonna generate more and more interest for NHRA. I think it's a great thing. And if anybody that thinks that, you know, crossover celebrities don't have any effect on sports, you know, who gives a darn if some celebrity from another venue comes to us? Who cares? <laughs> Nobody pays any attention. Nobody. Are you familiar with Taylor Swift? Never put on a helmet, never put on a uniform. Okay, she did wear a couple of jackets. But look at all of the buzz that she has generated just by going to an NFL game. 
And Tony Stewart may not quite be worldwide as big as Taylor Swift, but Tony Stewart has a huge following and they are going to watch when he now makes the move to the highest level of professional drag racing. Simple yeah. as that. And he's going to go right, just like little interesting factoids that we don't in our bubble really think about. He's going to go a hundred miles per hour faster than he's ever been publicly. Right. Like his fans, yeah. they were used to seeing Tony at Talladega, right? He's a 200 or Atlanta, like a 210. Wow. Tony, that's really fast. 210. It's like 330. What? Really? They, there are people that we don't realize this, but it's true. They don't even realize that our cars are going 300 miles an hour because they haven't really thought about it. But they're a Tony Stewart fan and they're going to watch and they're going to check out Tony to see what he does. Wait, 330? What? Who's that girl he's racing? Brittany Force. Those people exist. There's a lot of them out there. And all we got, we got an opportunity to catch and convert a lot of fans at the start of this year. Fans of Tony. And uh, honestly, people that don't like Tony might, might watch to root against them. Those people exist yeah. too. I'm good with that. Tune in. Yeah. I have always contended, always, 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 that people don't buy tickets to watch cars race as much as people buy tickets to watch people race. And if you were a Tony Stewart fan, whether it was IndyCar, whether it was NASCAR, whether it was World of Outlaws, whether it was Chili Bowl, I don't care. You're going to at least take a look and see how he does when he steps in. And now we've got a chance to hook you. Yeah. I paid zero attention to IndyCar for probably 15 years. I mean, maybe other than the Indy 500, I couldn't have told you where they raced, who raced, who was there. To, zero. Until... Courtney and Graham Rahal got together. And then now I met Graham Rahal coming to the races a couple of times. Now there's a guy I know who's racing an IndyCar. And when I would turn on the TV and I'd go, oh, IndyCar's on. I want to see how Graham's doing. That's all I cared about. But it made me watch. And now I can name a couple more of those IndyCar guys. I understand what's going on over there. Simply because one guy that I was interested in made me tune in and watch. And Tony is going to make people tune in and watch. Yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, another story out there I want to shout out to uh, Angel and the Mahalik brothers. That was a nice little piece of news that? last week. Uh, you know that Corey and Kyle have been the uh, like an on and off focus on WFO radio for many years since they were in that Always a Champion uh, Champion Spark Plugs contest where they won $50,000. That was like the very beginnings of WFO. And, uh, you know, we were out there stumping for votes for them and they ended up winning, um, you know, probably unrelated. But regardless, now they're going to have. Oh, no, no, that's exactly related because of. Thank you. Alan. Please. Thank you. Well, they gave us some credit as well. And then, you know, in his first race, they win in Charlotte. Like they've had an amazing. The Mahalik brothers have had an amazing racing story, personal story. Uh, they've had some personal tragedies. Uh, but now their racing program is taking a quantum leap forward. They've proven they can go fast and they proved to Angel last year that she loves the way that they go racing, like the way that they handle themselves at the racetrack. And so the Mahalik brothers are going to field the car for Angel in 2024 and the uh, Antron Brown Motorsports Accelerate program. So that's exciting for Angel. Just another story. As Tony moves up to top fuel, you got Angel and A fuel. We know that it's her plan to eventually be in top fuel. So the, the feeder system that is the Lucas Oil Series is working as it is intended. 
And, uh, you know, we want her to have a great and successful year, but it's going to be a fun reason to lock in to top alcohol dragster. Yeah, I wish there was a rookie of the year uh, for top alcohol because this year I can give you three of them right off the top that are getting A-plus equipment that, to my knowledge, are planning on running for a championship. And I think it would be a heck of a battle. And that would be Angel, who, even though she ran some races last year, I think would still be eligible. As a matter of fact, since I'm making this up, it's still eligible. Sure. It's going to be the, uh, well, let's see. The uh, I'll give you top billing. The WFO WWE, that's WFO uh, Radio Wild West Engineering. Yeah. Uh, wait, I probably can't use WDE. Somebody will. I don't know. Well, anyway, we'll hodgepodge it. Right. Um, top alcohol rookie of the year. The first three that we're going to be keeping an eye on, that I think you call the favorites right off the bat, Angel. Certainly. Joe C. Maynard, he's yeah. getting a really good race car. Yes. And even though he may not have all the experience about it, as I understand, he's going to go out there and run the schedule. And that girl from California in a funny car. What was her name? Oh, yeah. Maddie Gordon, who's getting in the championship one alcohol funny car. Those three with rookie of the year class. And uh, I don't know. We should make, I, we, I don't know, whether a hat, a t shirt, we can do something, right? Yes. We can do whatever we want. We don't even need a reason. We can just do whatever we want. Like, make it up as we go along. That's very exciting. Yeah, but, you know, drag racing, Alan, you know, it's dead and nobody cares. And it was better back in 1982 to 1987 and nobody cares anymore. Let's go smoke. <laughs> Let's go smoke. Yeah, I don't know. I was just taking a shot. Right? Oh, no, because wait, it's all tied were, you, were you going back to the 1970s or were you rooting for Tony to win the rookie of the year? No. Let's go smoke. Let's go. Right? There's a T-shirt there uh, somewhere. No, I agree. I agree. Wow. Um, Matt, the, the Maddie Gordon thing is something that's very exciting. Angel is very exciting. And yeah, Joe C is um great guy. I, you know, I don't know how much you've hung out with him. I spent a lot of time with him on the starting line, just, uh, you know, chit-chatting about and kind of finding out what he's, uh, what his intentions were. And just like his dad, right? Like, I think I like this. Oh, no, I love this. This is, I want to be here. I want to, I don't want to just stand here. I want to do it. This guy has had an amazing uh, military career and has done some very intense and extreme things, uh, piloting. And so it makes perfect sense that he will be able to jump into the safe fuel car and go out there and um, do what he wants on his own timeline. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how it all develops. We'll see how it continues on. Pretty exciting. Yeah. And would uh, I, and I don't know the answer to this, so I'll turn it over to you. Would would Chad Green be available for or uh, um, Hunter Green? Would he uh, is he still eligible for Rookie of the Year? He ran Ooh. a couple of races last year, and he did. Close. You know, he did win one, but did he run? Did he win enough to uh, to put his rookie status aside, or would he be in that conversation as well? Because that's another fairly new face that's going to be jumping into the Lucas Oil Series at the highest level. 100%. And uh, I'm going to say yes, since we're just making it up, right? Okay. Like, why not? Hunter has not run that many races. I think he's run right close to what the limit would be. Um, and, and people have asked me that, actually, about why isn't there a rookie of the year for the class? And Because we just thought of it. Right. Right. There's just a rookie of the year overall for the entire sport. That would be, you know, we could we could easily keep track of it. And think of all the different social media content, folks. We instead of just one rookie of the year, we could have like five, right? The six, the Commission Foods categories, and then the uh, you know the Pro Sportsman categories and the Lucas Oil Series. That would be great. Interesting. Uh, Steve Brenwald wants to know if the testing in Gainesville is going to be open to the fans. I don't know the answer to that, Steve. Um, we'll find out though. 
That is something we can find out because there is. We'll, we'll know by next Tuesday. Tune in next Tuesday. We'll have an answer for you. Yeah, because there's a bunch of test sessions, February 8th through 11th. There's a test session at Gainesville, the 15th and through 17th. There's a test session at Gainesville. And then the 5th and 6th, the, right, the race week, there's a test session. So it's going to be a heavily tested event. And I know a lot of people are going for the big money over there in the Skag race, but that's if you're part of pro. There are quite a few teams and racers that are not that need to be able to be on equal footing. And so they're going to open up Gainesville Raceway and let them test. And I wonder, uh, you know, track prep wise, track surface wise, maybe if you spend all of those test dates testing at Gainesville, you might have an upper hand at winning the Gator National. How long since my trash truck showed up in the middle of the broadcast? Yeah, finally, we've got it back. <laughs> I love it. Everybody loves the trash truck. Listen, guys, the, the Reinhardt's trash truck making it happen. Smash. Uh, Facebook user says no per the letter sent out. Uh, I didn't receive the letter. I don't get that kind of stuff because I'm not a competitor. But um, this person says no. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. Makes sense, though. You know, you don't let them have free nitro testing and then expect them to buy a ticket to the race. Um, but not my call. Not my call. Not mine either. But uh, I know, like, what they used to do at Firebird when they did the preseason testing here was that if you had a ticket for the race, that they would let you come to the testing. But you would have to uh, have already bought your ticket for the next Right. And there, there Just throwing it out there. Just throwing Just it out there. Throwing it out there. Some people are asking about the proc show. It's 12 noon Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern on Wednesday, and just subscribe on YouTube. Remember, the WFO mobile app is going to sunset uh, in March. And so subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and follow on Twitter and follow along. You'll get notifications when the show goes out. But it is, uh, you know, we send out a push notification. Um, but definitely follow on uh, social media and you'll never miss a show. Actually, one other thing. I couldn't swear to it, but uh, it seems to me that I saw or read or heard someplace that the test from Gainesville, the uh, pre-Gators test, the one between the baby Gators and the Gators, uh, would be streamed on NHRA.tv. Tremendous. I think it was last I, year. I, I couldn't swear to that, but I think I heard it. Some. Well, I'll make sure we get the answer for you next Tuesday. But I know, or at least I think I know, that the baby Gators will be streamed. So if all the stuff is there and we're set up and ready to go anyway, what the heck? Stay a couple extra days and... Uh, Stream the testing before we get into the big race. Here we go. I'm on Drag Race Central, and he's got the article up. But Rick Green's got the article up about all the bonus stuff that's happening out there at the Gator Nationals. Uh, you know, the Don Garlitz Swamp Rat Alley, which I'm super excited. That's going to be cool. Right? Right? The gate. Well, okay. Bye, what? trash guy. Bye, trash guy. Bye, trash guy. Okay, Reinhardt, what's cooler? The Don Garlitz Swamp Rat Alley or the Gator Nationals Beer Garden? Oh, the Swamp Rat Alley. Yeah, I don't know. I was expecting you to say something else, but that's fine. Uh, new to 20. Joe, everybody has a beer garden. Tell me, other than Don's Museum, where you could go to see all of those cars in the same place. Nowhere. Nowhere. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's amazing. But just for those that are interested, there is a uh, extensive beer garden and a massive footprint located on the Midway available for fans. I'm excited. I remember the days when they didn't sell alcohol in the pits at the Gator Nationals. Like years ago, it was like, uh, hey, don't drink because there's race cars all around. Upgraded top eliminator. Well, we, we all know we all know that I'm a fan first. Yes, that's true. Obviously, you've proven it right there. That's proof. 
Reinhardt, follow him, NHRA Reinhardt. Upgraded Top Eliminator Club, special appearances, exclusive swag, premium parking, food and drinks, all welcome. Top Eliminator Club, Premier Way. Yes, I remember when I first joined the Top Eliminator Club, me and my dad. I tell the story a hundred times about uh, going there every year together since 1980 up until pandemic. And uh, we sat in section uh, C, about, you know, a little past 60 foot clock. And For Costello. What? See, Costello, right. Maybe, maybe he Costello, did that. Yeah. Who knows? My parents were in charge, but maybe they did that. But there was a giant man that sat in front of me, like a giant person, like one of those big, like freakishly large people, both height-wise and width-wise. And they used to sell, because it was a bleacher seat, they used to rent those orange clip to the bleacher mm -hmm. seats. You'd rent them and everybody got them. Well, I was sitting there minding my own business and kind of knees straight forward. And this guy decides he's going to lean back and the plastic of the chair is not supporting him and it's coming back. And he pinned my knee and he's coming back, coming back. And I had nowhere to go. And I was going to snap my leg, man. This guy weighed a lot. He was like hundreds of pounds. He was a big giant man, like a uh, gorilla monsoon, like a big guy. And at that point I said, that's it. I can't handle dad. We're going over there. So we went to the ticket office and we swapped out our tickets and we went into the top eliminator club. It was one of the first times in my life that I commanded the ship, right? Like we got to do this. And we loved our seats so much. And we went into the top eliminator and it was like, Oh, Oh, okay. And we never, uh, no offense section C, but it was top eliminator club for the rest of our lives. I am a firm believer that if it's within your financial means, and I realize it's not for everybody, but if it's within your financial means, that that is the best ticket at almost every race on tour. You know, the seating being on the starting line is obviously premium, but a place to go out of the sun or a place to go out of the rain or a place to go just to sit down and take the load off, a place to go get something to eat, a place to go get something to drink. You know, the premium parking at some racetracks, the premium parking is worth that, right? I mean, you understand that. Yep. Uh, but there's, I just believe it's, if it's within your means, that that is the way to go, you know, if, if at all possible. Now, if you're the guy or the gal that likes to sit at the finish line and watch the action down, I completely get that. I'm not telling you to give up your stuff. But for the casual fan that's going out there to check it out, you know, if it's within your means, I think that, uh, I think that that's, that's the way to go. Definitely. All right. But let me get to the uh, the point. Expanded NHRA.TV oh, coverage for those not in attendance. They can catch all the action on NHRA.TV, including extensive free in caps because they know how to catch you. Coverage of the NHRA test session in Gainesville. Coverage of the Baby Gators Lucas Oil Series event the weekend before and the Gator Nationals. This is what it means. This is saying the Gator Nationals is free. I'm a little confused about that, but the test session will definitely be free. Extended coverage on FS1 and Jungle Pam and Jungle Jim car appearance. The weekend will also include an appearance from Jungle Pam Hardy, as well as an original car driven by Jungle Jim Lieberman. That is a cool event. Gator Nationals coming up. And uh, Billy's like, Don Garlitz, y'all are stuck in the past. You're not allowed to like anything in NHRA unless it's novel. No, we're balanced people here, Billy. We like, we represent the past and the present and the future exactly i just don't like when people say that the past was so much better than the current because i think the current is amazing and when they were liking the past it was the current and so you know they didn't have a bunch of people talking about the past hey dawson Polly is my out there watching i'm sorry my my favorite response is you know everything was better back in the day it's like okay do you want to go back and drive your 68 chevy pickup across country well no 
yeah. then everything wasn't better. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah, exactly. It, it was it wasn't better. Dawson is moving up from or moving to a different uh discipline of racing you know he has that little mazda that he has been running um in yeah. super gas and super street but now he has got himself a malibu stalker a wagon he's got a malibu stalker station wagon i've been following his build project uh for the joe's the moving up to Joe's going from super street to comp well now that dawson is no longer in super street i feel safe going in there and trying to do something trying to do something all right alan any final thoughts is there anything that we have yet to cover i'm sure nhre.com is going to have a big uh, news breaking story here as soon as we get off the air although they've been pretty good over the past couple of weeks let me check the website now nah, we we used their uh nhre.com story but i do recommend you go check it out there's another good story about johnny Lindbergh and john medlin prepping paul lee's car i'm actually very excited about that team up because you know medlin we know genius level guy johnny Lindbergh has proven that he's capable of being that guy. He just needs the opportunity to do it and the person to train him on it. And guess what? I think that that is a very good coupling uh, personalities. And it's going to be fun to watch because if you look at these successful co-crew chiefs or team crew chiefs or whatever you want to call it that are out there, one of them is a hold my beer and watch this kind of guy. And the other one is, whoa, 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 let's back up half a step and just kind of make sure we know what we're doing here kind of guy. Because you can certainly be too conservative or you can be too aggressive. If you look at what Johnny Lindbergh did in his alcohol cars, he was the most aggressive guy out there. No question about it. Every run he was going there, he was trying to set a record. He was on kill. He was trying every run he went to the starting line. And he is going to bring that mentality to Nitro. That's probably not the greatest approach if you're racing Nitro. John Medlin, on the other hand, is a very analytical, let's make sure, let's make sure. And the other thing that Johnny Lindbergh was really good about was details. Johnny Lindbergh never took a car to the starting line that was, oh, it's close enough. Oh, it'll probably be okay. Oh, yeah, that'll, that'll make it another run. Never. He always made sure his car was perfect when it went to the starting line, which is why he got away with so many of those old beer runs. But I really believe that those two personalities are going to mesh very well. And I think that Johnny's attention to detail along with Medlin's uh, mad scientist, you know, just every let's, let's try something somebody else hasn't done uh, in a subtle way. I really believe that that's going to be, that's going to be a good combination and fun to watch. And I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm not sure how many races Paul is planning to run this year, but I would love him go to the first couple and, you know, take some giant strides and get the hook where he just can't quit. Because I think, you know, obviously the more runs they make, the better they're going to be. So if he gets out there and decides that, you know what, we're going to, or if he decides I'm going to run the first 10 and then make a decision, because if they go out there and run the first 10, the decision at that point will be easy. That car will be in the top 10. And I think that it'll be very difficult to quit at that point. So I've spoken with Paul at PRI about this topic. And it's pretty much what you just said that, that uh, they're, they're going to come out intending to run them all because they're going to be running well. And what has happened the past couple of years is they've had that plan and then they haven't run well. And then it's like, what are we doing here? We need to regroup. And they ended up regrouping and, and that's the deal. But this year, same plan. If they run well, they're going to be in it to win it. And if uh, they don't and they get tripped up again, then they might not because Paul is a very busy guy and he's got a whole bunch of stuff. And obviously they're, uh, they are funded, but they are looking for more sponsorship on that car at all times. And so 
Um, sure. He is intending to run well, though, and that's why he made these moves. Um, you know, like uh, Medlin and Lindbergh. It's going to be very interesting. And the way they gained when John Medlin came on board last year, it was a quantum leap forward with for Paul. The car that they were running at the end of the year compared to the car they were running at the beginning of the year. So uh, I, I think that this is going to be the year for our mutual friend, Paul Lee, who's been doing this for 30 years, chasing this dream. And you just, you know, don't buy the car. There's a lot more to feed it. And I think they uh, will see, but I think he's got it figured out. This personnel part of it. Well, look forward to it. I mean, you look at John Medlin over the course of the last decade or so and what he's done, right? Everybody he's gone and helped has improved drastically. They've won races, they've won championships, they've gotten it done. So, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he's committed to going over there and, and working with Paul and, and now working with, with Johnny, I think that, uh, you know, if I'm Paul, I, I'm really excited to get out there and, and uh, you know, see where, it all, see where it all goes. Yep, exactly. Alan, great job as usual. We'll be back next Tuesday and we'll get closer and closer. We're making our way. We're going to be at the Gator Nationals really soon um, and starting off the Mission Foods Drag Racing Series. And I'm excited about seeing the starting line and the layout and, you know, the the primary colors of the of the V's and, and everything on the starting line. It's going to be very different. Like Mellow Yellow was yellow and camping world was blue and so what's mission foods going to be is it going to be mostly red is it going to be red and yellow is it going to be red and white and yellow like what's it going to be it's going to be so interesting and exciting as we have this salsa like chips and salsa guac all of it <laughs> not guac sorry all right alan great job uh we'll talk to you next week thank you so much hey wait before you hang up why don't you take your phone off that stand and give us a close-up of this uh of this hemi what do you mean phone? Whatever you're yeah, using. Really you're not you're using a laptop. What is this? Oh, yeah. See, whatever it is. Look at this. Don't get seasick, oh, folks. Yeah, there we go. Tell us 426 about it. Um, it's it's an iron 426 Hemi that's got a half-inch stroke crank in it, 30 over, so 484 cubic inches. It's a nostalgia funny car engine, and I just put the thing together. I put a single four-barrel and a, I stole the carburetor off the back there because I needed one that I knew would run. And uh, just to fire it up, like I said I wanted to fire it up, make sure it had oil pressure, make sure it, uh, you know, it didn't make any funny sounds, but uh, did everything that it was supposed to do. So today, the guy who owns it is bringing me the blower, so I can go ahead and I'll put the blower manifold on it, put the blower on, get all the pulleys lined up, that kind of thing. Uh, he's bringing me the fuel pump barrel valve, so I can get it over and get it flowed, make sure I got the fuel curve where it needs to be, and then it'll be a matter of when he gets the funny car back. Uh, the body is being worked on in one place and the chassis is being worked on someplace else. And then we'll put the whole thing together and pour nitro in the tank and let her cackle. But that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a, basically a nostalgic cackle car. But uh, And I've, I was able to get him in touch with Leonard Hughes uh, and they verified that it is absolutely positively the car that Candies and Hughes won the 1970 Gator Nationals with. Amazing. Amazing. And it'll be in the Gator Nationals car corral in like two years. Or next year. You never know. You never know. Hey, this guy says, I'm not a famous announcer, nor do I do a podcast, but his trash guy did just show up at the same time. So we're uniting the world. <laughs> we're we're uniting the world. Alan, great job as usual. Thank you so much. Thank you. And hey, just a reminder to everybody out there, uh, I do check my email from time to time, even during the off season. So if you've got a question or comment, something you want to share, I am announcer at NHRA.com. Excellent. He is Alan Reinhardt. Get him on Twitter as well. You can see the fire up of that engine. All right, Alan, be well. Thanks, Joe. Talk to you soon.
There he goes. The voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, joins us each week right here on WFO Radio. Billy Carroll out there. I was there in 70. You saw it, you saw it live. No, that's cool. He's building the cackle motor, which is awesome. Uh, I'm very, uh, very excited about that. All right, guys, couple of things, couple of things, right? Tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern time, the Proc family. We got Jimmy, we got Austin, we got Thomas right here on WFO radio. I need you to subscribe, click the bell, enable notifications. Don't miss a show. You know that the WFO app is going away. And so subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud for the audio only. For those of you who listen audio only, we've got so many people that are audio only podcast listeners. The video folks, YouTube is the place. Of course, we're still on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page and group and people are watching on X right now. But YouTube, I think, is the most reliable place to watch the show every single week. So that is uh, pretty exciting. And we would encourage you to do that. Yeah, the, 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 the procket. Right. Proc rocket rocket. I see what you're trying to do there. Billy says, Tony, look who drives today's cars. You can hang your hat on that. Interesting. I don't know what that conversation is, but it's happening in the uh, in the uh, chat section of every single show. Talking about Garland's Museum being amazing. Very cool. Now, we've done a lot of talking about the Gator Nationals, and I want to mention that a big part of the Gator Nationals is the Bernie's Speed Shop Fan Fest. This is happening on Wednesday evening before the Gator Nationals. I would say it is the official start to the Gator Nationals weekend. We got the baby Gators, then we got that test session. But Wednesday at Bernie Speed Shop, over 100,000 square feet. And I'm telling you how amazing it is, but why don't you go see for yourself? Plan on going there before the Gator Nationals. Like I would love for a very large WFO radio contingent to be there at Bernie's Speed Shop for the Fan Fest. And uh, it's located in Ocala, Florida. It's very close to Garlitz. So you can go see Garlitz and they can swing by Bernie's. We might be doing some stuff in Ocala that day as well. So just keep an ear out on WFO radio. But, you know, they have classic muscle cars, exotics at Bernie's. They're buying, but they're also selling, as you know. Like uh, if you want to sell your car on consignment, go to Bernie's, call Josh Hart. Go to their social media, follow their website, check out their inventory because they are doing a great job. Maybe you need a frame off restoration. Maybe you need a very high level automobile. Folks at Bernie's do it all. And uh, Josh has set up an amazing uh, culture there. Like everybody who works there, as I have spoken to many at the last fan fest, and they love working with Josh. They love working at Bernie's. They do all kinds of fun team building exercises uh, during the week. And, you know, anything's possible. He's got it on the rear wing of his car. Anything's possible. And he's proving it with Bernie. So make a plan to be a part of the Bernie's Fan Fest on Wednesday before the Amelie Motor Oil and HRA Gator Nationals. couple other WFO notes while you put your comments and questions into the comment section. couple other notes. WFO. Drag Race Bracket Bonanza. You may recall last year, towards the tail end of the year, that was becoming a big thing. Like it really, um, it became something that everybody was doing, filling out their brackets. Well, this year they have made some changes to the Drag Race Bracket Bonanza uh, system, and they are enabling us to have a WFO league at Drag Race Bracket Bonanza. So be ready to sign up for Drag Race Bracket Bonanza. And if you want to challenge the rest of the WFO universe, on drag racing knowledge with filling out your brackets, you will be able to join the WFO league at drag race bracket Bonanza, which is super cool. It's an extension of our fantasy league back there. 
which we will continue our NASCAR Fantasy League. You know, we talk a little less NASCAR these days because we're talking more and more NHRA drag racing. And on the Ignition Show, we speak about NASCAR and Formula One and the Rolex 24 and the Chili Bowl and everything else in the world of motorsports. Uh, we also talk about, you know, the NFL championship games and Patrick Mahomes and the Bills. And like we cover it all. It's a wide ranging worldwide conversation. We were talking about Australia Day and how Larry Dixon's going to be running down there in Australia. Wide ranging topics, topics on the Ignition show. But that is the home of the WFO Radio Fantasy NASCAR League. You're all invited to join, to try, to be a part of it and try to get your name on the trophy last year. Bad Brad. Got his name on the trophy. He won the championship. He beat Mr. Fantasy NASCAR, the Fantasy Hall of Famer, who had won the two previous seasons. So it was kind of a big deal. Some of us think that Bad Brad is actually the B team for Mr. Fantasy NASCAR, in which case he would have finished one too. And it's also a little embarrassing. But we're not going to talk about that. If you are also monitor NASCAR, you can go to drivergroupgame.com, drivergroupgame.com, and sign up, and we'll give you the credentials to join the WFO League. Um, big stuff. Now, Kansas, I wanted to share some of the photographs. You know, I was uh, telling you guys about CWT industries a little bit earlier and their balancers and it's great stuff. They're on board with WFO radio, but swung by Wagner's auto sales. That was the beginning of my Friday morning. But then from Wagner's, I went over to Gary Stinnett racing engines. This is Gary's original ramp truck. He's still got it out there and he's getting ready to do a restore at some point. Pretty amazing. Tim Wilkerson's guys had one of their 632s, I guess, for a customer. It was going on the dyno, and it was pretty amazing. You see Gary and Zach and Nick just kind of thrashing on the engine, going through the process. It was a lot of fun. But then, uh, is that my last photograph on that? Nope. Yeah, it is my last photograph. Uh, then I headed over to the D5 Awards Banquet. And I should have taken more photographs, but you get the gist. And then just yesterday, I swung by... My friend's shop, uh, Wilson Manifolds in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to drop off some Project Pontiac stuff, which is super exciting. And Reinhardt is trying to oversell the horsepower on this deal, 900 horsepower. Man, if this thing makes a horsepower over 750, I'm going to be thrilled. Little Pontiac, come on. Tiny ports. And yes, there is a little over-deliver, under-deliver expectations game going on. But if he's going to play it, I'm going to play it too. If we make 450 horsepower, I'll be thrilled. Cars just got to run 1090s. All right, let's see what you guys got to say. What's on your mind? Starting off with Dawson. I missed the start of the show. What was the update on Project Pontiac? Will you make Orlando or the Baby Gators? Yes, I will, Dawson, in 2025. Yeah, the block is iced in in Tennessee right now. It's in, uh, in the back of a truck, uh, hopefully, you know, like RNL carriers. And uh, I heard yesterday that it was iced in as of yesterday. So it did not make it to Gary's for Friday. So I could unbox it and we could do a little video there. So whatever, no big deal. But the machine work is pretty much done. Cylinder heads from Edelbrock have been acquired. Um, still a lot to do camshaft and and many things need to be uh figured out but i'm working on it and i'll explain that momentarily but project pontiac engine completion target i would say if we were you know it was all together on the dyno in september that would feel feels right to me giving us enough time to get it in the car to run december bracket racing in bradenton at the end of 2024 
to run some early stuff in 2025 and go to Orlando and the Baby Gators in 2025. And that is the exciting conclusion of Project Pontiac. That's the timeline we've set for ourselves to be at the Baby Gators and finally run this car at legendary Gainesville Raceway in NHRA competition at the Baby Gators and Super Street in particular, because I want everybody to know not only is Super Street an amazing, awesome category where you can build a car and not have to immediately reinvest in it because the person you're racing against has reinvested in their car. You get it? Like I, I had a, you know, Hal Fowler from Rottler is a, a, a friend and he's like, you know, what's with the throttle stop stuff, man? And I'm like, you got to understand you build the car and then you race it for years, challenging yourself and just maintaining it. Whereas if you're in a go fast category of any style of racing, you build your car this year and in two years, you got to build it again because you're in a horsepower race, which is a financial race. And I don't have that. I can't do that. That's not for me. That's not what I'm capable of doing. I'm capable of going index racing and refining the product slowly over years, not, oh, we need a new camshaft. We need new cylinder heads. We got to get a new intake. We got to get a new carburetor that the competition has surpassed us. Oh, now we're not fast enough, which that's exciting. That's fuel tech pro mod. That's top fuel. That's pro stock. That's stock and super stock. That's comp eliminator. That's not what I can do. And that's not what most people can do. That's why the dot 90 classes exist. And, you know, some people don't understand the throttle stop deal. I get it but I understand it and I recognize how challenging it is. And I would love to be out there. That's what I've always wanted to do with this 78 Pontiac Trans Am is go super street racing. It was never possible till now. And so hopefully you will follow project Pontiac as we continue along. More time to bench race. Oh, there's plenty to, to walk about. Billy thinks the ramp truck is awesome. That's why I took a picture. I agree, Billy. I love the ramp truck. Monica says, great show today. Looking forward to tomorrow's show with the procs. Don't miss it. Uh, will I be covering the pro race? Covering it? Um, eh, you know, it depends. It still depends. Things are up in the air because I might have a ride at the Orlando Speed World Division Two race in February because grading points are part of the whole maybe getting into the Gator Nationals in 2025, like earning some grading points, getting some experience, driving a car. I've got a good friend of mine who's got a super street capable car, and we're talking about bringing it to Orlando. And that means there will be a considerable amount of work the week prior, which is when the pro race is going on. I think I'm going to be uh, a fan of it and watching from home like everybody else while I you know, work in the garage on, very other, on, on other things. So we'll see. Let's see what Top Fuel 723 says. Today's drivers are definitely some of the best to ever do it at the competition out there today. Um, did Garlitz have a solid 10 cars that he could beat uh, beat him consistently? No, he didn't. True. But that's not a fair analogy either, which is why to, to compare these classes is not right because Garlitz was innovating technology with stuff from the OE factory. Like it was a different kind of racing back then. You didn't just buy everything and then take it and massage it. And who was the smartest person with what was available within a certain rules package goes out there and wins, which is what we're experiencing today. And I think it is amazing. Garlitz was 
inventing stuff. They were inventing things. So his, his brain power was used to innovate and invent and then drive to get it down there in a craft that what, you know, was it safe? Like, nah, not really. Like, we don't know. We, it, it was just a totally different era. So that's why I don't like to disrespect any era of the sport because they're just totally, totally different. What's the best way to get a message to you? Uh, Twitter. You can send me a direct message on Twitter, WFO Joe. You can get me on Facebook Messenger. There's a whole bunch of ways, like countless ways. Email me, joe at WFORadio.com. You want me to put you together with Phillips Connect or just send a message, right? Let's see. Um, yeah, no. Just checking to see what people are saying out there. And not all of it's great. I didn't know you were uh, hunting a ride. If you can squeeze them in my Mazda, you're welcome. I fortunately, Dawson, don't have to squeeze into much of anything. Uh, I can get into most race cars. And yeah, it's great when you're sitting in coach on the airplane. But um, thank you for that. I feel like I'm I feel like I might be in good shape. But thank you for saying that. And I appreciate it. You know, like uh, driving other people's cars is something that makes me very nervous um, because, you know, building one racing engine is taxing me already. Building two might not make it happen. Uh, Derek says, how many segments were there at the engine expo that included your block? I'm almost done with day one. I don't even know. A couple. Right. It certainly wasn't all day long. There were a few where uh, Joe Lee Woods and uh, Dave Bullock from Wilkins Racing Engines. We're machining that thing on the Rottler F69, and it was pretty awesome to watch. Let's see. Stephen, I wore my WFO shirt at Barrett-Jackson this past weekend. Lots of cool comments about my shirt. Get out of here. Really? That's great. The WFO store. We just posted a new shirt, guys. We just posted a new shirt. It's another retro track shirt from a track that no longer exists. I do not have a photograph of it yet, but if you go to our WFO store, you can get there on the website. You can see it. It is the original Palm Beach International Raceway logo from the track when it was brand new. I haven't seen this logo anywhere. Uh, a good friend of mine, Steve, who is the track photographer out there, had an original sticker and we recreated it. Palm Beach International Raceway, the original track. And it's uh, amazing. So if you are old school South Florida or old school drag race shirt, go check out the shirt. It's up in the T Public store. Earl Nichols says, really? Who knows what he's talking about, though, right, Earl? Earl's posting pictures of himself when he was young, and it's like, wow, back then, wow, Earl. Pretty amazing. And then, uh, just kidding, Earl. That's my buddy. And go Detroit Lions. Let's uh, stop right there. I agree. I'm big on the underdog story. That's what I like. I like the underdog story. And as the Miami Dolphins, yeah, we were the underdog story, but we're out. Hard to not be excited for the Motor City right now. Hard to not be excited for a city that is so meaningful to our nation's history and our hobby in Detroit. And you think about the big three and all the people that worked and all the engineers that made it happen, cars and racing and the Woodward Dream Cruise and everything that happens up there in Detroit. And like the last championship, the 56 or something, they haven't made the Super Bowl in years and years and years, decades and decades. And now they are one game away. So sorry, 49ers fans and caps. Sorry, guys. Like, I've, you know, you, you've you've had your fill of success over the years. And that having been said, you'll probably have your fill again. 
but go Detroit. Come on, guys. Let's let these Lions get in there and mix it up a little bit. Let's let the Lions go after it. That'll be a lot of fun. And on the other side of it, KC goes to Buffalo and gets after Buffalo. And you Bills fans have to be thinking, what do we have to do? Because that was a bit of a heartbreak. Patrick Mahomes, man. They've got the magic. they got the Taylor Swift magic this year. They're going to be tough to beat. The Swifties are going all the way to the Super Bowl. And the what were the ratings for that game? 40 million people, folks. 40 million. You understand? That's a lot. 40 million. 40 million. Like NASCAR, they're like, it's a good NASCAR race if they get 4 million. 40 million people. It's a juggernaut. It's amazing. Look at that. The new PBR shirt is on sale. Just that one, probably because it's a new design. I mean, it's like 16 bucks. And then you got to play shifting. Wonder what Joe's favorite Taylor Swift song is. Uh, the one that says, are you ready for it? Because Courtney used to use it as her intro song at the NHRA. But other than that, I really don't know. Uh, Bad Blood. There's another one. That's it. I don't know any Taylor Swift songs, guys. Sorry. You know, because I'm a middle-aged man. And we really don't know a lot of that stuff. Big thanks to our sponsors, CWT Industries and Bernie's and Foggett. Now available on Summit. FTI Performance Transmissions and Torque Converse. Total Seal and Phillips Connect. Marvin Rodak, 817-924-6821. Order some coffee. Get the Stampede of Speed blend before it's gone. Samtech.edu. The next generations of machinists is going through there. And of course, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. The Dragster Adventure. Drive a dragster in 2024. All right, guys. Remember, Wednesday, 12 noon, YouTube. Watch it. The Proc Rockets. Austin, Jimmy, Thomas will be joining us on WFO.